Well, good to see you all this morning. Welcome back. Merry Christmas to you. So great. And hey, I just want to say, don't you think we ought to thank the worship team for leading us in worship this morning? Yeah, thank you guys. If you can hear us back there. Yeah, praise God. We're so grateful. Uh, but hey, turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Uh, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. We have uh, three or four weeks left in Romans as we conclude our study of it. Um, certainly relevant, thinking about uh, the coming of Jesus and why he came. Uh, part of what we're doing this morning is looking at that, but uh, continuing in uh, the study, piggybacking off of last week's sermon in Romans 14. So in Romans chapter 15, if you are using one of the Bibles in the seat rack in front of you, it is on page, oh, I need my glasses. It is on page um, nine, let's see, eight, uh, 893. And uh, as I get my glasses, um, if you are new here, my name's Andy Middlecoff. I wanted to let you know that. And uh, we'd love to meet you out in the courtyard. As you go out, you exit, and uh, you'll see a little kiosk out there where we can meet you and, and uh, maybe give you any information you might need for the church. There we go. Now I'm going to be able to read. Um, I have preached once before without my glasses on, and I think I, I was speaking in tongues. I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so uh, if you are a guest with us, there's a QR code on the back of the seat in front of you. If you want to just take a picture of that or whatever, and then um, fill out the information so we can know that you were here, and thank you for coming and answer any questions you have. If any of you, whether you're a guest or you're a part of our church family, have a prayer request, you can do the same thing. Put the, you know, your phone up to the QR code, uh, write the prayer request, and the church staff will pray for you, okay? I guarantee it. <laughs> so we love to pray for you guys. Um, all right, what else do I need to say here? Uh, oh, yes. So next Sunday is when our new schedule starts. We're going to have two services, just like we do now, uh, but they're going to be a little closer together. There's going to be one at 8.30. So those of you who have come to the 8 o'clock service, you get to sleep in an extra half an hour. Um, and then the next service is at 10. So you can either go to church at 8.30 or at 10. Um, and then also at 10, if you'd like, you could also go to a class. So 10 o'clock will be classes and church service. You can go to uh, any age class, um, children, adults, during the 10 o'clock service. I'll be teaching one of those adult classes. Looking forward to that. Those start on January 16th. However, there is one that uh, is starting on January 2nd. That is the journey class on January 2nd. They're not going to skip a beat. Um, praise God for them. So I think that's all I have to say about that. Did I say Merry Christmas yet? Good. Merry Christmas. All right. Good. Got that out of the way. Well, let's pray. All right, Father, we do, uh, we are grateful, Lord. Thank you for Christmas and uh, the good reminder that it is of the incredible miracle and mystery of, of God taking on human flesh, being born of a woman. What a blessing. Father, thank you so much for that salvation, that hope, uh, that life because of Christ, because of your forgiveness and your mercy on us. Lord, we can't thank you enough. And I pray that uh, just this Christmas season, we would truly be reminded of that. And I pray that as we open up your word, that you would open our hearts and minds. Father, we pray that you'd open our eyes to wonderful things in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and holy and awesome name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So Romans 15. All right, so when I was in junior high, uh, seventh grade, uh, there was a kind of the school bully. His name was Garth. And he was in eighth grade and he was a big dude, okay? Um, I was just kind of the normal sized dude. He was not normal size. He was big. And he was mean. And so 
Um, I was kind of afraid of him, didn't want to be around him. And, and Garth was also, he was a football player and, and he, was, he was a bit of a jock, but he was also a bit of a rocker, you know, listen to the head, heavy metal stuff. And I was a skateboarder, right? And rockers did not like skateboarders. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things back when I was in junior high. Um, some of you my age know what I'm talking about. Um, and so, and I, I didn't listen to heavy metal. I listened to, you know, kind of like grunge type of music and rap. So I was definitely the cooler of, of the two guys. Um, but, but so, yeah, so he didn't, he didn't like me. And, and he, he let me know that on, on numerous occasions. So one time during a recess, lunch break, whatever you call it, I was in the locker room, the junior high locker room, and could have been a you know, dangerous place to be at times. So I was in there and uh, he comes in and I end up backed up in this corner with him like in my face like this. And I'm going, please don't hurt me. You know? uh, but I'm thinking, is he going to like knock me out or what? But thankfully he didn't, didn't touch me. He said a few words that I don't remember. And that's probably a good thing, you know, that I don't remember what he said. But I was intimidated by this guy, right? And so when I was 18, I, I, uh, well, all my life I had gone to church and I kind of knew that this was true. But at the age of 18, I finally said, yes, Jesus is real. I desperately need him. I want to follow Jesus from here on out. And so I became a Christian at that point. And, and um, I started going to a Bible study in my hometown um, during the summers when I come home from college, a college Bible study. Great, great group of people. Had a lot of friends there. And I was growing in my faith, you know. And then one Thursday night at, at our college Bible study, in walks Garth. I'm like, whoa, you know, wait a minute. What is going on here? And so uh, I, I go and talk to him. By this point, I, you know, I'm not worried about all that happened, but still my initial reaction was, whoa, you know, a little bit of fear, but curiosity. So we talk, and he had become a Christian. Isn't that awesome? And I had become a Christian. And so we're talking about, you know, the Lord, and I'm like blown away. I didn't think someone like Garth would ever become a Christian, right? And so he did, and, and it's like, what went from fear of Garth back when I was in junior high and even on into high school a little bit, um, now was like, wow, we're brothers in Christ. And that was such an encouraging thing. It's like you couldn't have had two more different people now. It's not like we became best friends, but we were then friends. It's amazing. And it's amazing how in Christ this can happen. We're two very different people or two very different groups of people can, can genuinely appreciate and love each other because of our relationship with Christ. And I don't know about you guys um, who've been in different countries, but it's so encouraging and refreshing when you meet another Christian. Uh, I've been all over the world, and when I've met other believers, it's like this instant bond and unity, and it's, it's, it's rich, it's powerful, it's beautiful. And so, so we have, yeah, we, we have, you know, in our church, even in our town, we have believers in Christ of different skin color, right? Believers in Christ who, who some make a lot of money, some don't make a lot of money. Uh, some people are of this political party, some are of that political party, some are of this denominational background, some are of that denominational background. So many differences, and those differences can divide us, right? Um, in, in our relatives, we've been getting together with, with relatives over Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's coming up, and we realize, man, we've got a lot of differences with some of our relatives, but those who are Christians, 
We've got something much bigger, much stronger, much more powerful than all the things that do divide us. And we're going to look this morning at Romans chapter 15, which carries on the idea and really concludes the thought of Romans chapter 14 and really gets into the idea of unity and what actually can unite people who are very different. Because as we're going to see in a minute here, uh, the people that this was originally written to, the Christians in Rome, were very different from each other. And so Paul partly wrote for this reason. And, and in this scripture, we're going to look at four different ways that God can help us to truly have unity with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we have so many differences with each other. So would you look with me at Romans 15, uh, verses 1 through 7. Romans 15, verses 1 through 7. And let me read it for us. It says this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, really God speaking through the Apostle Paul. And he says, we, including himself, Paul, who are strong, have an obligation to bear with the failings or the weaknesses of the weak. And not to please ourselves, uh, let each of us please his neighbor for his good or her good to build him or her up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, that is in the Old Testament, the reproaches or insults of those who reproached you fell on me, on Jesus. For whatever was written in former days, the Old Testament, was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. What a great scripture. And it's so cool, you know, as you're reading through Romans, I don't know about you, but um, I get so focused on certain scriptures, I, I almost forget about the last couple chapters of Romans. But they're so rich. So many nuggets. So this morning, we're, we're talking about how can we as believers in Christ, that we have so many differences how can we truly unite as Christ wants us to unite? Well, um, a little bit of historical background here, and this has been brought up before, so it's a bit of review, but it's so helpful when we look at the scripture to remember this, is that um, in Rome at the time, uh, before this was written, the churches were full of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, right? Because the Jewish people, if you were Jew, uh, uh, by, uh, that's your nationality, uh, that's your uh, biology, your, your background, you're Jewish, many became Christians, right? They, they changed from Judaism to Christianity. So in Rome, there were many, many Jewish Christians and Gentile, and they'd go to church together. But in the year, let me remember here, um, the year 49, 15 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead, uh, Claudius, the emperor of Rome, of the whole Roman Empire, said, Jews, get out of Rome. I don't want you here anymore. All Jews, whether they were Jewish or Christian, you know, Jewish religion or Christian religion, Jewish people, everyone leave, okay? So they all had to pack up and, and move out of the city of Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire, right? In Italy, they had to leave. So years went by and the only Christians that were left were like most of us. I'm Gentile, I'm not Jewish. Most of you are not Jewish, you're Gentile. And so it became a very Gentile feeling church. I mean, they began to eat bacon, right? So this is a good thing. Um, but uh, 
So then over the years, though, at some point, and I don't know when this was historically, but they began, the Jews were allowed to come back into Rome. And so the, the Jews who were in Judaism came back. The Jews who were Christ, Christians came back as well. And they began to come back to their churches. And they were going, man, what's wrong? What's wrong with our churches? They look very Gentile now. There's, they're no longer Jewish. Like people are eating bacon and non-kosher food. And, and, uh, and, and they're not keeping the Saturday Sabbath. And they're not keeping some of these festivals from the Old Testament. And the Jewish Christians are thinking, I think these guys have lost their faith. And the Gentile Christians are saying, you're a bunch of legalists. Are you real Christians or not? And so there was a lot of disunity between uh, the, the believers, the Jewish and Gentile believers. And that's part of the reason why the Apostle Paul, why God had the Apostle Paul write this letter to them to, to bring some unity. And so we can learn from this how we can have unity together as well as brothers and sisters in Christ today, though we may be very different than each other in certain areas of our lives. So first of all, how, how can we experience and enjoy true unity with each other as believers in Jesus Christ? Well, one reason is this, or one way, excuse me, one way is this. You'll see it up on the screen. Remember Christ's example. Uh, remember his example of benefiting others rather than himself. And I don't know about you, but I love YouTube because I can go and watch on YouTube how to fix just about anything, right? And things are always falling apart in my house. Probably not at yours, but at my house, there's always something else that's falling apart. And that's why I love the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because it shows us the life of Christ to give us the example of how to live our lives. Jesus was and is our example. And so we see this in verses 1 through 3. Let's take a look at those again. Um, chapter 15, verse 1 the Apostle Paul says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his or her good to build him or her up. Now here's the, the kicker. For, in other words, let me tell you the reason why. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me that is, on Christ when he was at the cross. So what he's, what he's saying here is, here's our example. Jesus Christ is our example. We need to look to him. And as we do and see how he lived to benefit others, not himself, we're going to remember and be empowered to do the same, to live for others and not for ourselves. Now, he begins by talking about the weak and the strong, right? Last week, Eric explained that. Romans 14 talks all about that, just a review is that it's a, little bit, it's a little bit complicated. It's not just like, okay, so all of you guys on this side of the church, you're the weak ones, and all of you guys on the right side are the strong ones, okay? So some of you are like, I want to move over there. No. Um, it's not always cut and dry. Uh, generally speaking, uh, a weak believer, as he's talking about here, is someone who is maybe a younger person, right? Or, or newer in the faith, right? Or maybe someone who's been a Christian for a while, but they haven't been discipled, or they haven't really trained themselves to, to learn the word of God and to live it out. But then, um, was this the strong side? I can't remember. Anyway, we'll just pretend it is for a second. But then the, the strong ones are those who've been Christians for a while. They've been around the block a few times and they've really studied and researched and learned and they've been discipled and maybe they're discipling others as well, right? So that's generally the way it is. However, even those who are, quote, strong have weaknesses. I can remember a friend of mine up in Oregon, Dave, he uh, was just such a great guy. I still, I'm still friends with him. Um, believe it or not, he still wants to be my friend. Um, but he, uh, 
he would, we'd have him come and speak to our junior high kids at our junior high camp. Just such a great guy, man. Such a wonderful Christian man. Uh, but he had a weakness, and his weakness was baseball. Yep, you would have guessed that, right? So he loved baseball so much, and it was his life. Um, and I don't know if any of you have been into a sport or anything like that in your life. It, it's not just sports. It can be an instrument or whatever, where the thing becomes your God. And he was explaining this to me. I'm like, man, so you don't play baseball at all anymore? You don't coach baseball at all? Nope, I don't even touch it. I don't watch it. Nothing. Because it was my God. And when I came to the place where I realized I want Jesus to be my God, I realized I had to just, just dump the whole thing. I was like, wow, wow. I'll let you know now. That, well, so I'll say that was his weakness. Because as soon as he got back into it, he easily made that his God again. So he's just like, I'm not even going to touch it. But now he's strong in that area and he's coaching baseball again. That's kind of cool. But at the time, it was his weakness. See? So here was a very mature Christian who had a weakness. So even mature Christians struggle and have weaknesses as well. But, it, but he does say here that there's an obligation for those who've been around the block a few times, who have trained and studied and grown. Um, we have an obligation to those who might be weaker or newer in the faith than us. Take a look at verse 15, or excuse me, verse 1 again of chapter 15. It says, we who are strong, again, Paul includes himself. He's saying, I'm one of the strong ones. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Of an obligation. Other places right near here, that same word is used, and it means that we owe something to them. You're like, wait, 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 wait. People who, who are like weak in the faith that we need to kind of bear up with, I mean, what have they done for us that we have to pay them back? No, 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 no. No, it's what has Christ done for us. Christ doesn't say we need to pay him back, but he says the way you pay me back is by paying other people back, so to speak. By helping what some might think the weaker person in this situation. And what does he say? What are we obligated? What do we owe the weaker brother? It says, we, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Uh, this word bear with is like there's a, there's a heavy burden, right? Like and you're, you're picking it up and you're carrying it for that person, right? You're carrying that heavy load. <laughs> uh, for, for those of you who are parents, my kids aren't in this service, so I can say this. No, just kidding. I, I did say it last service too. Um, but sometimes kids can feel like a little bit of a burden, like gold saying, how many times do I have to tell you this, right? So we're like bearing up that heavy burden. Okay, Lord, help me not to blow it, uh, blow up again, Adam. Um, help me to be patient with my kids. So we need to be patient with those who are younger than us. And it's true with people in the faith, right? Like you're still messing up with this? Man, slap, you know. We want to, we who have been around the block might want to criticize people. And not even, it's just any, any of us. We want to criticize if we see them. Um, failing in some area or, uh, or, or messing up in some area or being weak in some area. Like, like hurry up and grow up, you know? Come on, like, like me. Or wait, you're like, oh no, I guess it took me a while too. Um, so it, it's this bearing up and it can be a, a heavy, heavy load. You know, um, one person that I think of when I, when I read this about bearing up the burdens of others is, uh, if, if anyone knows, B.J. Schramm. Great guy. He's been so involved at our church over the years and done so many different ministries that he's just helped out in so many ways. And 
one that he does is, is he help, helps men who are willing to say, hey, I'm struggling with lust, okay? So they meet once a week. It's an accountability group. Um, the times are changing. It's, it's on the website if you're interested in it. Just, and he, he just comes alongside, guys. So you, you fell again. Let me, let me help lift that burden. Let me pray with you. Let me encourage you. Let's get into the Word together. Um, this isn't the end. Keep going. Don't give up. And he is there. He's bearing that burden uh, with his brothers in Christ who are struggling in that area. And it's been a huge blessing to a number of men. Praise God for that. Um, the, the group is called Conqueror. They call it Conqueror's group. So um, he's bearing up that load. And it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a sin that we bear up, like my friend Dave said. It's baseball. You know, it can be something like this. Different things that we need to bear up with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and, then, and then he goes on, and he, he talks about here uh, the failings. If you see that, bear with the failings. Interestingly, the Greek word is actually translated as weaknesses. Uh, I think this translation translated failings because it would sound weird to say the, the weaknesses of the weak. <laughs> but that's really what it's saying, the weaknesses of the weak. So as it says, and not to please ourselves. You know, our, our human nature, our motto is me, myself, and I. Or me first, right? That's our motto in our sinful human nature. But the Holy Spirit living within us is saying, no, 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 others first. We are to live to serve others, to benefit others. And he gets into that in verse 2. Take a look at verse 2. It says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now, whenever I read this verse, I I just kind of laugh a little bit because I go, yeah, I'm a people pleaser. And uh, people pleasers would look at this and go, sweet, here's a verse telling me that I'm, it's good for me to be a people pleaser, right? Like, let each of us please his neighbor. All right, this is good. But wait a minute, some of you are thinking, aren't there other scriptures that say we're not supposed to be people pleasers? Oh, shoot, yes, there are. Yeah, like up on the screen here, you'll see um, from Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, here's kind of a well-known one. And here again, there's the Apostle Paul. So he says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Like, I'm not a people pleaser, I'm a Christ pleaser, is what he's saying there. So, is the Bible uh, contradicting itself? Some might say, well, look, see, the Bible is contradicting itself. Well, no, you have to look at the context of each. In the context of Galatians, which you see up on the screen, he's saying, I'm not going to water down the Bible just to please some other people. Okay, that's the context. But in Romans chapter uh, 15, he's saying, look at the conflict that you have between each other. Uh, You need to accept each other and overlook your small differences in the light of the bigger unity that we have in Christ. So that's the difference. But so it does still make me chuckle. Let each of us please his neighbor. And it doesn't just mean just outright please him any way they want. It's pleasing him, he says, for his own good or for her own good. And then ultimately it says to build him up, right? Uh, Throughout Scripture, it tells us that we are called to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ, to find ways to encourage and strengthen their faith, right? And that's what he's getting at here. We please them in the the sense of helping them to grow and not just pointing out and criticizing all the ways that they're weak or there's something wrong with them, right? So that's super encouraging. I always am blessed when I get to be with people like that. And then, and then ultimately, he says, look, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. This is the reason we're talking about this right now is because this is what Jesus did for us. Take a look at verse 3. 
he says for. And when you see the word for, it's telling us often the reason why the previous has been stated. So he says for. Why should we seek to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ? For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches or the insults of those who reproached you fell on me. This is where I'm so encouraged, so blessed, so strengthened when I think about Christmas, Christ coming to us, born to die. Such an incredible God that we have. And I love what he says in in Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. I want to have you read this with me. And he says kind of the same idea, but in different words here. Jesus is speaking to his uh, 12 apostles and and he says this profound statement. Would you read it with me? Ready? Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, Good job. All right, so who's the Son of Man? Jesus, A+, A+, well done. That's right. So the Son of Man, he's saying, I came not to be served. I was trying to imagine this this week as I was preparing this message, thinking about what would it have been like uh, for Jesus to come to be served? Well, I know that he wouldn't have been born in a barn. That would have been the first start right there, right? He would have been born in a palace. But what kinds of things would Jesus have done if he said, I'm coming to the earth for me? He has all power, all authority. Just imagine all the pleasures he could have enjoyed while he was here on the earth. However, instead of having people kiss his hands and his feet, he said, you can nail my hands and my feet to the cross. Instead of having people shower him with praises, he had people shower him with spit and insults. While he was on the cross, he was even willing to let the Roman soldiers and the Jewish soldiers, the high priests, the other priests, and the spiritual leaders, even the thieves right next to him, shower him with insults and threats and hatred. And any other human being throughout all history, if they are accused and they're innocent and they're being crucified or some other torturous way of death, they're going to be spewing out all kinds of hatred and revenge back, right? But this is one thing that makes me know that this was more than a man. This was God incarnate in human flesh that he was able to say, I think, some of the most profound words ever said in all of history in this earth. And he said this at that moment when everyone was insulting him and mocking him. He said, Father, what? Forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Isn't that incredible? Does anyone want to say thank you, Jesus, for that? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible love, your incredible forgiveness, that he came not for himself. He came for us, for you and me, for people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. What a blessing he is. And what he's doing is he's saying, look look at my example. He says, I was willing to be crushed so that you could have eternal life. Can't you be willing to to bear up the burden of of a weaker brother or sister or someone who's different than you, has different opinions than you? you? Shouldn't you be willing to bear up that burden? I was willing to suffer one of the most horrible, brutal deaths known to mankind. Shouldn't you be willing to be inconvenienced for another brother or sister in Christ? He's our example. So how can we experience unity with 
people, with brothers and sisters in Christ who are different than us? Well, one way is we've seen follow the example of Christ. Look at what he did. Secondly, if you're following in the notes, and this point is going to take a little bit less time, just just to let you know. Uh, Secondly, this. How can we do this? So receive God's encouragement and hope from his scriptures, from the word of God. Uh, We see this in verse 4, and this is such an encouraging verse. Take a look at verse 4. He says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now, at the beginning, he says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. He's speaking specifically of the Old Testament there. At this time, the New Testament was being written, right? So the Scriptures they had was the Old Testament. That's the first four-fifths of the Bible if, if any of you are not familiar with the, the term Old Testament, it's referring to the scriptures, the books of the Bible that were written before Christ came. And he's saying, these were written for our encouragement and for our hope. Um, how many of you, let's see a raise of hands, how many of you would like a little bit more encouragement and hope in your daily lives? Anyone? You like? Yeah, okay. I mean, most of you. Most of you like to be depressed and anxious. That's fine. I get it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yes. We want more encouragement and hope in our daily lives, right? Well, the Lord tells us a key way to receive and enjoy more hope, more encouragement, is through opening up the Bible and learning it and believing it and obeying it, right? Um, if, if we keep it closed and we don't get into it, it's like um, we're cutting off this major resource that God has given to us. I was thinking, what would be an analogy of that? Well, how about water in Bakersfield? Um, We've been so blessed, and I hope you're thanking the Lord for it. Every time it rains, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This is awesome. Thank you for the rain. You know, but usually we don't see this moisture coming down from the sky in in Bakersfield, right? Uh, But what if we were to say to the city of California or the the city of Bakersfield, hey, um, don't send water to my house anymore. I'm fine on my own. I'm going to live off the rainwater, right? That'd be a little bit foolish, right? Especially in August. Um, but, but if we were to say to God, you know, I'm fine. I don't need the Bible. I'm just going to come to church every other Sunday and listen to it, and I'm good. You know, no, no. God's saying, look, don't cut off that resource from your life. Open it up. Turn it on. Um, God calls us not only to read the Bible, but to study it, to memorize it, to meditate on it. Meditating on it means to mull it over in your mind again and again. Really think about what does this mean? How does this work in my life? What do we do with this? Mull it over in your heads. And so God is calling. He's saying, look, if you want encouragement in your life, get into the Word of God. And well, why, why does it say this right smack dab in the middle of talking about unity with other people? Why is it here? Well, partly because of this. I don't know about you, but if I'm struggling in a relationship with somebody, I need a whole lot of encouragement from God. I need a whole lot of hope in my relationship with God and in my relationship with that person. And I need reminders of how to treat that person. And you know where you find all that? Right here. It's right there. Let's open it up. Um, And he goes on in in the next verse here. And he he gives us another way uh, to strengthen our unity with believers who are different than us. And it's this. uh, If you're following the notes, number three. A third way is this, experience God's power through prayer. And I love it. God's resources to us, there's nothing new. It's, we don't need more books. We don't need more 
gizmos and trinkets and doodads. We need the Word of God. We need prayer. And we need each other. And we've got it, right? So the Word of God is for our encouragement, for our hope, and prayer. It's so that we can have the strength then to actually love people who are hard to love. Unite with people who are different than us. And we see that in the very next verse. Paul knows the power of prayer. And in the next couple of verses here, he's actually praying for the Roman Christians who had a lot of disunity, right? Look at this prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, starting in verse 5. He says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's his prayer. And, and I love what he calls God here. It'd be fun to just pause and let you guys share with me some of the titles that God has. God has a name. His name is Yahweh. And he has many titles. Many, many titles. Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear your favorite titles of God. I love the title, the Creator, or Father. I love those titles. The Lord of Lords. The King of Kings. The Most High God. God Most High. There's so many wonderful titles. But right here, he has another title that isn't is as well known. But take a look at that title in verse 5. He says, May the God of endurance and encouragement. That's one of his titles. When you pray, you can say, God of endurance and encouragement, thank you that you give us endurance and encouragement. Isn't that encouraging? One of his titles is encouragement. <laughs> so he's saying, look, the Word of God gives you encouragement, and I, your Heavenly Father, give you encouragement. Because each title that he has is not empty. He's not just given those titles for no reason. He's given those titles because it tells us something of who he is. He's the most high God because guess what? There's no one above him. He's the highest authority. He has no board of directors over him. He has no one he's accountable to. He is ultimately the one that the buck stops with. He's the most high God. The fact that he's the God of, the, of, in, of endurance and of encouragement means that he's the God who gives endurance and who gives encouragement to all of his children who ask him for it. And this is why the Apostle Paul is praying for it. He knows that they're going to need endurance and encouragement to really work this through together and to overcome their differences in Rome. And God knew that ultimately this would be Scripture for us, not just for the believers in Rome, that we too would need to be praying for each other for these things. And it's through that that God gives us the strength and the power to love each other. And, and one thing that I love about God is, um, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, even though it's supposed to encourage us, sometimes when I read the Bible, I get discouraged. Because it's like a mirror that reflects to us our sin, right? And I go, man, I'm still struggling with this. And I'm reading through the book of Leviticus now, and over and over it goes, and they will be guilty. And they will be guilty. And I'm like, I'm guilty, God! You know what I mean? Like, I'm a sinner! <laughs> and it's discouraging. Right? But here's the amazing thing about prayer. Is that God says, pray to me, not only for forgiveness, but also for strength to change. And He gives us that strength as we endure and keep asking for it. Not overnight, always. Sometimes He does. For me, it's, it takes years. Like I'm just like, I'm in this long-term growth program. It's called eternity. 
gosh, I'm already 47 and I'm not sure if I've grown much at all. <laughs> no, but anyway, prayer, such a gift. Let's, let's not cut off these resources, the Word of God in prayer to become people who can truly love and unite with other believers. Now, uh, the fourth and final way that I'm going to talk about this morning, certainly there are other ways that Scripture gives us to, to create unity and build unity and enjoy unity with each other, even with believers who are different than us. The, the fourth reason he gives in this Scripture is this. Keep the goal of unity in mind. The goal of unity. I wonder what the goal of unity is. The goal of unity is to glorify God. You see, because the, the, the end isn't just for unity's sake. Yes, that's beautiful, that's wonderful. But the end is ultimately to glorify God. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to give Him the credit, to give Him the honor, to give Him the praise for everything good in our lives. Have you been thanking Him lately? Have you been praising Him lately? Okay, let's do it. Man, I don't know. I learned it from somebody in this church or my other church that every morning when they get up, they just start thanking God. And, and, and actually, no, I, I know someone I learned this from. He says, I ought to thank God today for everything I had yesterday. What if, what if we didn't get today what we didn't thank God for for yesterday? You know what I'm talking about? And so every morning I start thanking God. Thank you for keeping us safe overnight last night, God. And then it's, it's strengthened my relationship with him. But anyway, glorifying God is beyond just that. It's the way we work. It's the way we talk to each other. It's, it's the way we sing. It's uh, the way we drive. <laughs> It's everything can be for God's glory. But one thing we're going to see that glorifies God is unity together. So let's look at that. Um, verses 6 and 7, it emphasizes that. Really in verse 9, um, I underline that in, 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 with the color brown in my Bible. I underline glory so I could see it easily. So verse 6, it says that together in this prayer, that together you may with one voice what? glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the what? The glory of God. And then in verse 9, he says, and in order that the Gentiles might what? Glorify God for His mercy as it is written. And he goes on. But glorify. To glorify God means to give Him the praise, the credit, the honor, for our lives, for the good things in our lives, and even for the trials and the tragedies because he's using them for his purposes in our lives. So we are called to glorify God. One of my favorite verses about this that reminds us that we were actually created for God's glory. I've talked to people before that say, I don't even know why I'm here. It would be better for me if I was just dead. Have you talked to people like that? It's... It's so discouraging to talk to a person that's, that's in that funk. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been there. I know how it feels. It's dark. It's, it's, it's hopeless. I've been there. If we can get it through to our hearts and minds by God's grace, that we are here for a very, very beautiful awesome, important, amazing purpose, each human being, for God's glory. This will help us overcome that depression. Um, and each one of us, God made us differently because 
then we can all glorify him in a, in a different way with, with, with the skills we have, the abilities we have, the personalities we have. And it's, it's incredible. But this verse, I want you to read it with me. Um, it's it's uh, Isaiah 43.7. Isaiah 43.7. Let's read this together. Ready? It says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God created us for his glory, not for our own. I had that all backwards for much of my life. I lived for my glory, trying to get people to think I was great. Um, and, and we rob God's glory when we do that, right? We rob God's glory. Uh, but, but he wants us to live for his glory. And a couple of the ways that he shows us in this scripture, specifically that we can glorify him, is number one is through unity. Take a look again at verse five. No, verse six. Verse six. He says in this prayer that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that prayer when he's praying for harmony, he says, this will result in you guys glorifying me. In other words, when we choose to be united and to love a brother or sister who we've got to bear up their burden or they're just different than us and hard for us to get along with, when we choose unity over disunity, it brings joy to God's heart. He's like, hey, I like that. That's, that's really good. This is, this is good stuff. Another way that we glorify God, as we're going to see in, in uh, verse, verse 6 here, is that uh, when, we, when we gather together to sing to the Lord. Look at verse 6 again. It says, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the glory of God. He says, with one voice, when we as brothers and sisters in Christ come together and sing, it glorifies God. And I was just talking Christmas Eve night to a, a young lady out here who helps with the worship team for the high school group and just said, I didn't know you sang and you know, you have a great voice. And she just says, well, I do it for him. And she said, I never feel closer to God than when I'm singing to him. I say, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I said, let me one-up you on that. I said, I feel close to God when I'm singing to him. You know, I might be at home or in the car or doing the dishes or something. And my kids may be like, dad, quiet down, you know. But it's when we're together as a church family or with other believers, whatever the gathering is, with other brothers and sisters in Christ, we're together with one voice. We are glorifying the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the majestic God, the God of endurance and encouragement together. I never feel closer to God than at that time. What a blessing. And we get, we get to do that in a moment. Certainly God wants us to do that with, from our hearts, right? You know, I used to sing when I was a kid just to make church go faster. <laughs> I don't think God was very glorified by that. But ultimately it comes down to this. We can either, either live for our own self gratification, or we can live for God's glorification. Right? When we live for our own self-gratification, we're robbing God of his glorification. Now, we want instant gratification, right? For me, myself, and I, right now, God's saying, slow down. I've got something way better for you. Honor and glorify me. It's the best thing for you, and it's the best thing for me. Isn't our God who's willing to suffer for us on the cross and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Isn't he worthy of glory and honor and worship, high above anything or anyone else? Isn't that true? 
Awesome. So let's, let's close by asking ourselves a few questions. The first question is this. Is there a believer with a weakness that you could come alongside of and help? And just again, I was saying it could be a sin. It could, and it might not be a sin. It might be just some other weakness in their lives. Um, and I would encourage you not to do it this way. Hey, you've got a weakness and I'm going to fix it. Just saying, that's probably not going to work. Okay, number two, ask yourself this. Am I taking advantage of the resource of God's word uh, to, to receive God's encouragement and hope? Am I taking advantage of this? In, in the good sense of taking advantage of something, right? Like utilizing it, um, getting into it, getting, getting it into you, into your heart. Um, and, and thirdly, another question. Am I praying and asking God to help me love people who are hard for me to love? We all have people like that in our lives. And we all are people like that in other people's lives. Sorry, just saying. <laughs> I know I am sometimes. And then fourthly, another question. Am I living for God's glory or for my self-gratification? What are you living for? God's eternal. We're just a moment in time. Living for His glory. That's something to live for. That's why He created us. It's a beautiful thing. Should we pray and thank Him? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil and from the evil one. Father, thank you so much for the reminders in your word to us. Thank you for creating unity with us by by Christ's death on that cross for our sin. Empower us. Give us the desire. Give us the strength to love each other and to build unity even with people who we struggle with. Maybe in this church or other believers in our lives. Lord, let us be one. Let us with one voice worship you. Let us honor and glorify you and not rob you of your glory. God, and I pray that as, as we sing now, that we'd sing from our hearts and that it would be truly a pleasure and a joy to your ears. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. And God's people said, amen. Amen.